building better relationships at home and at work for people who have more than enough on their plate. Two coaches dangling the possibility of finding joy in your relationships. Do you dare to consider life can be better? Have a listen and tell us why. Welcome to Building Better Relationships at Home and at Work with Angela and Patty. Today we will be discussing part two of Angela's healing journey for the past few months after surviving an aggressive cancer. Hi, Angela. Hi, Patty. Please continue about your healing journey after learning how to breathe again. The breathing techniques was placing the right hand on the heart in the middle of the chest and the left hand on the upper belly. Yeah, it's such a simple tool. And that was the main healing tool to learn to breathe again once I was unconscious and was supposed to die, but I didn't. And when I came back to consciousness, I had the breathing tube in my uh, throat and a lot of liquid still in my lungs and still a lot of blood clots in the lungs as well. So I uh, was given that tool by my teacher to just practice and in the in the other podcast in part one we mentioned that I just had five minutes a day some days of practicing that breathing technique and I'd spent most of the day <laughs> trying to do it but I was so distracted I had my brain had gone through so much trauma with all the surgery and uh, losing uh, most of my body mass muscle mass and not really uh, being able to function basically so if I'd spent the whole day trying to do that five minutes that was a victory for me Plus, I also had other support from the physios in the hospital to do some breathing exercises. The funny thing was, from the breathing exercises given from my physio, they weren't as impactful as having my hands on my body, uh, the hand on the heart chakra and the hand on that upper belly area underneath the chest. Uh, the reason being was that I was starting to activate my own healing abilities. And one thing I learned coming back to life and was that all of that negative energy I had spent about judging my life, like why am I here, is this really what I've done with my life, is that it? Uh, when I started to do my own healing, that was what I'm here to do. That is what I came to embrace and to live fully with joy. And just that five minutes of me doing that was me starting to practice what I'm here to do, to do my own healing work. And I, a lot of what I do with healing comes through my hands. And Patty, you, you're also... Uh, just, uh, just discovering through Reiki. Right, and that's, yes, um, you use um, energy and um, you place 
hands on different parts of, of the body for healing. And some of the placement of the hands is um, on the physical body. That's part of what I do is where your hands do touch the physical body and some of them the hands are slightly off the physical body too. Um, so meditation. Same, same with Reiki. You can either, you can hover or you can place it on the body if if the client feels comfortable with that. Right. So the the other thing is comfort because this is the interesting journey when I had to come back to life and choose to come back to life. Um, most of what the physio was giving me in terms of breathing, I would do them because it's what your doctor tells you to do or what your medical practitioner tells you to do. But they weren't really hitting the mark. And when I was doing what I felt comfortable doing, which was hand on the heart, hand on the upper belly, what happened was I was really discovering what was natural to me, what was my natural energy and what was my body requiring in that moment to move on to the next step. And healing by its nature is discovering what's required in the moment. So that means that healing can evolve, it can change as you change, and it's very much connected to the laws of nature, which if you look at the animal kingdom, the animals do many things that we might not do, but they make sense to that animal. So my practice is also about that, learning what's natural, inherent to you in that moment, which may change the next day. Um, the other big thing I learned from surviving cancer, and I wouldn't have survived this cancer if I didn't have the healings tools that I use, was what did I use when I was out of it, when I was uh, perhaps going into surgery and in a, in a, on drugs, in pain, um, not really exactly, my brain wasn't really functioning the best, but I've discovered my intuition became really clear to really ensure certain protocols were put in place. So for example, in a medical environment in surgery, they have specific protocols like the surgery room has to be clean and now with the coronavirus we're all using hand sanitizer and we're having to use certain protocols of social distancing of, of sneezing into our elbow or such practices for surgery for many decades now they have established in medical environments how to set up the surgery room um, how to prepare their hands, what to cover their hands with. In a similar way, I would enter the surgery room by using spiritual tools. And that's what I'm, I share on the New Energy Body YouTube channel and in session work as well. Um, so I use a spiritual tool to protect my aura and I would also use a tool to surround the field of the surgery room itself. I use the same spiritual tool that I use for my aura. I use it in the surgery room. I also would call on the highest good to come through the surgeon and all the medical team. And that tool alone, Patty, because I called on the highest 
good to come in through the surgeons, through the medical staff, through me. In that room, I had the best care (laughs) that I could have. All of my family and friends are still to this day talking about how amazing the staff were and how miraculous my results were. Well, I can share honestly that because of my intent to have the highest good in that room and by protecting the room, amazing things happened. I had nursing staff that came up to me and held my hand that made me cry. One of them made me cry. She was preparing me before the surgery because I had already been through, I think, three procedures and she knew my history by reading it. And she knew I must be terrified about going under anaesthetic yet again and perhaps dying again or being on the edge of dying. And so she just held my hand and started talking about (laughs) embracing great things after surgery, like going to a beautiful restaurant. She started telling me about a restaurant to go to that's on the ocean and how it would be really great if I could do it. And she saw how emotional I became. Have you gone to that restaurant yet? Not yet. And because of coronavirus. <laughs> well, hopefully that will be one of the things on your bucket list. It's on the list. And um, it's been interesting because since I've come out of hospital, Patty, I haven't gone to the ocean that much. Oh, and you always love to go to the ocean. Exactly. So I also got moved out of my home, which is right by the ocean. I moved in with my best friend who's been my carer and her husband and their son. So they've been looking after me with my partner, Hakim. Mm -hmm. So I've been away from the ocean and I've been saying to my partner, hey, let's go to the ocean and we often don't make it. The one time we did make it, interestingly, was well before the coronavirus started to get really to the panic phase or pandemic phase, maybe panic mm-hmm. pandemic. We went to one part of the ocean by the airport and I was standing there and I was welcoming all of the planes to Australia. And I was just blessing them and saying, welcome, welcome. And I was like, why am I? This is crazy. What am I doing here? I didn't want to go in the water because by the airport, the water there has quite a bit of pollution from, from probably from the planes. <laughs> Things get thrown in the um, water there, probably from houses as well. But there's a bit of stuff that comes from the fumes, from the pet, the petrol fumes from the airplanes. But I just Mm -hmm. kept on saying, welcome to Australia, welcome, welcome. And every plane I was just saying it. And I thought, this is crazy. What am I doing? But because I've come from hospital, I've realized that all of that intuition and crazy stuff that comes into my brain is always there for a reason. And basically afterwards, about a week later, there was all this stuff about shutting down the airports. A lot of racism started about other countries coming into Australia and it started going all around the world. And I realized in my madness, I was sending a lot of energy to that part of Sydney to say, you are welcome, you are welcome, you are welcome to combat all of the negative thoughts that might be coming into the airport for people coming in. And in a similar fashion, in the hospital, I was setting up in every room that I went into, and I changed rooms about every, sometimes every five 
days and sometimes every 10 days. It kept moving me because I kept on having a new crisis. So I got an infection and they'd move me to a new room or I went to um, ICU and then I came back to the ward and then from the ward I went to a private room. So I kept on getting moved every, say, two weeks, 10 days or five days, depending on what crisis was happening. And each room I would surround that room with an aura of protection and at the door I would put a healing tool that whatever came into that room uh, all that was not in love would be left outside the room and I kept noticing Patty that every nurse that came in if they were in stress we would start talking and the stress and would it kind of release that stress out of them sure mm-hmm and even my friends, uh, they'd come in and I would start talking about random stuff sometimes. Of course, we'd do the update, like what's your progress, blah, blah, blah. Um, but even talking about my progress became more about finding a solution, not about problems. It was very positive focus, forward focus. Um, and yeah, sometimes I was in pain, but sometimes... Even that became about how can I help you now? Not about, oh my God, what's going on? Not panic related. And and if people are listening who are going through coronavirus panic, consider that. How do you seal your house or the room that you're in and say at the doorway, I, I put the energy at the door that only love can enter. I use a specific healing tool, but I'm not going to share that here. You can find out more from the New Energy Body YouTube channel, which we'll put in the description of the podcast. Uh, but you don't need to use my healing tools. You might have your own. Uh, just asking asking for that starts to create that energy. Um, so yes, the nurses started to chat with me. We laughed sometimes. Sometimes the nurse just... Um, what would happen instead of the nurse shifting, I would shift. I would start to think, oh my goodness, somebody else is in trouble that needs this nurse's help now more than me. Because as I started to get better, I was able to realize more, I was less in trouble. The nurses didn't need to help me as much. And I knew I could hear sometimes as well someone in the next room who was in much more uh of a crisis than myself. In fact, I remember hearing <laughs> they were having a drain put in their lung after. Oh, um, yeah, mine were taken similar out. To, similar to what you what you experienced. Exactly. So um, similar to the coronavirus, we're hearing, for example, someone might have the virus attacking their lungs, and you might mm -hmm. not be going through that, but it might happen to you or someone you know in a few weeks' time. Or the opposite, you will have a sickness and then you'll get better. And then after you're better, you can have empathy or support. You can send support to that person just by thinking about it. You don't need to do anything fancy. But healing is about um, knowing what, what to do as well. And that's what I teach after my surgery and hospital experience. It's not... Um, for example, in healing, I discovered it's very important not to impose things on the nurses, not to say, oh, that nurse has been a 
B-I-T-C-H, I should expect her to be better. No. She might be crabby because she's had a really hard day. So what can I do in terms of healing, if it's my place, to do anything to that nurse? It's usually none of my business to do anything to that nurse. But it is my business, if I'm in a room at a hospital or a room in my house, to seal my room so I protect my room. And it's none of my business to criticise that nurse because she could be really overworked. She could also be doing a really good job and I don't know it because I'm in pain. Right. Um, or having a really um, mean patient, somebody that oh, takes all their pain out on the nurse. Right. And am I going to be adding to that pain by being a crabby <laughs> patient? Um, Angela, from the point when we talked about in part one where you had no joy, it sounds like once you started doing your energy work on yourself, you, it, 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 it changed your whole demeanor to where now you were, you were finding joy? Yeah, I was finding joy and I was choosing to focus on it. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify that because some people think or believe that finding joy, it comes from somewhere miraculous, like, ah, oh, and actually it's a choice. And mm-hmm. I've known it's a choice intellectually for about 30 years <laughs> since I was a teenager. I had depression as a teenager and I discovered in my depression, I had to choose joy. So I've known that for 30 years. The hospital experience made me really go, well, how about choosing it right now (laughs) in this moment when you can't breathe? (laughs) How are we going to choose joy when you can't breathe? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Um, uh, yeah, that's what I discovered. Finding joy is choosing it when, even choosing when you, it, yes. yeah, when you're really struggling. Yeah, yeah. And helping others to choose joy as well. Yeah, yeah. So, for example, the protection tool I did in my room by saying only love can enter through that door. Um, I wasn't thinking about other people because I was suffering right I was thinking Mm -hmm. I'm really vulnerable I've just come out of surgery I can't breathe how am I going to help myself oh only love can enter only love can enter right but as a consequence other people benefited I was doing it very selfishly let's be real I was very selfish Um, if you're in any panic around coronavirus you're going to be selfish that's how humans are but as a consequence other people benefited and yes I have the intent to help others that's always a part of my intent daily and as a healer I've been proclaiming that intent daily for a long time however in that moment I was very selfish and as a consequence other people benefited and spontaneous joy happened in that in my room And I would have visitors come and we would laugh, we would joke 
and they would come with a lot of stress because they were told I was going to die. Um, some of my friends have had members of their family die of cancer and they were very traumatized. My family was very traumatized because we've seen a lot of people die of cancer. But they would come in and it would shift. And that to me was the most uh, basic tool of healing is to create a sacred space just like in a surgery they they disinfect the space they wash their hands they put on the gowns they have a special cloth on the table so that which they throw away after surgery because it's all disinfected in the same way that's on an energy level when we surround our aura or surround a room with a spiritual protection we are saying that only love can enter and that way um, we're clearing the space so spirit can come in and do its magic. Yeah, so that that's one of the basic tools that you can walk away with today just to learn how to start using that in your own homes. Um, the new energy body that I'm sharing on the YouTube channel, it's going to go into... Uh, its goal is to create a protocol and one of the protocols is what I just shared using spiritual protection to create sacred space and from that what are the next steps um, to creating a healing space in your life whether that's in your heart like a healing space in your heart whether it's in your room uh, whether it's in your community, it always starts with ourselves. So for me, in hospital, it started with protecting my body and protecting the room I was in, and then protecting the surgery room. So every time the procedures happened, they were divinely protected. And to this day, the doctors still don't understand how I made it through. I understand because I know... <laughs> my spiritual protection was always making sure that the surgeries were done so I could live so I because I was meant to live I got told uh, when I was dying that I was meant to go back to life and as much as I didn't know how that was going to happen I knew it was going to happen so also then afterwards when I had further surgeries I knew I was going to stay alive. I knew I wasn't going to die because I got told I wasn't going to die. However, I didn't know how that was going to unfold. Um, so, right. Yeah. So, in case you missed ep, um, part one, Angela had actually died, and when she died, she was told that it wasn't that she needed to go back. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was part of the journey of realizing what am I here for? And in part one, I also mentioned just taking some simple steps like breathing uh, was instrumental to understanding why you're here. So I wanted to share, Patty, the healing crisis <laughs> because in um, my progress after learning how to breathe, uh, 
learning how to get up from the bed and walk um, or stand. Standing was difficult too. Um, going to the bathroom I couldn't do unassisted for a while. So I got to a certain level of progress, I guess you could call it, or functionality. And then unfortunately, I was getting sicker again. Um, I even started immunotherapy, which is a whole nother miracle, which I won't go in today. But I was too sick to get chemotherapy. And even though they cut out the cancer, they needed to give me some therapy because when they cut out the cancer because my ovaries had exploded like they did, it was pretty much guaranteed that there were cancer cells outside of the ovaries in my abdominal cavity. But they could take out what they could see, but they need to give you some sort of treatment. Otherwise, you're taking a huge risk that the cancer will just start growing again. And I was too sick for chemotherapy. So they said I could pay for immunotherapy. In Australia, immunotherapy is not covered by the public health system unless it's caused by melanoma or some forms of, I believe, lung cancer. I'm not sure about that because I think lung cancer still may be uncovered. But unfortunately, immunotherapy is such a new therapy that it's not being proven yet and it's not being accepted by the, the medical establishment. So the Australian public health system doesn't cover certain uses of immunotherapy, even though it's being used a lot. And luckily enough, most of my treatment had been already covered by the public system. I don't have any private insurance, and I'm covered by the wonderful Australian public health system. So as much as people complain about the public health system, I'm a huge advocate for it because it paid for everything so far up until this point with the immunotherapy. So I started the immunotherapy and I had paid for it and it was quite expensive and it was giving me some improvement but I was still quite sick and I was still getting fevers and this was about, I don't know, about six to eight weeks into my hospital stay and the doctors were pretty frustrated because I'd survived miraculously these surgeries but I was still getting sick and they desperately wanted this immunotherapy to work because they could see it was working from one treatment but I was still getting fevers and because of the fevers I couldn't get the second treatment of immunotherapy. So the fortunate and unfortunate thing happened that what I had been suspecting was an underlying infection. I had been suspecting from my intuition that I had an underlying infection from my very first hysteroscopy back in July. Well, it's actually the end of June. And I had two other friends who were intuitive healers, one who I don't know, but she's a friend of my friend who's an intuitive healer. And they also had suspected or had intuited that I had an underlying infection. And between the three of us, we had said there is some underlying infection in my body and we had intu intuited that it had come from the original hysteroscopy. But we had been sort of saying, well, it's not being found. That They had tested the liquid in my lungs. They had tested liquid in my abdomen. And there was no infection. 
I was on serious antibiotics and those antibiotics were not doing anything to cut this infection. So about six to eight weeks in my stay, I was losing a lot of blood from um, my lower body where the surgery was, still losing heaps of blood clots, which was standard because I had so many clots in my body from the in the lungs. But these clots were coming from my lower body and I was thinking, that's not right. If the clots are in my lungs, why are they being discharged through where my surgery was? Doesn't make sense. I've had surgery, should have been healed by now. Anyway, six weeks of blood clots still coming and then I start to get in my, where my surgery was in my belly, there was a suture and there was a lump there and liquid started to come out until it was so bad that one of the doctors saw it and he, he shook his head and he said, oh, Angela, I'm so sorry. And he had also had suspicions as well that there was an underlying infection, but they didn't want to do another scan on my abdomen because they didn't want to do another surgery because of my blood clots. Because <laughs> he knew that if... Go ahead, Patty. Go ahead, Patty. Oh, I was just saying, oh, 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 wow. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah, he was having a big old wow. Having a big old wow. Yeah. He was, though, and he, along with the head surgeon, were putting it off for weeks. They both thought, uh, look, if we do another scan on the abdomen and it shows there's an infection, we have to do another surgery. We can't do another surgery because she's got blood clots. Um, we've almost killed her twice. Let's just not do another surgery. <laughs> um, so, but that point, the pus was actually coming out. And at that point, that was my huge healing crisis. I'd already gone through three or four or five surgeries. I forgot how many at this stage. And I was progressing. I was walking. And I was breathing. I still had oxygen, but I was breathing. And I was I, the tube was out of my mouth at that stage. And I had the oxygen just to help me breathe. Um... So I'd made huge progress and to have that huge hurdle where they had to go into another surgery, they ended up doing another surgery um, because they had to clear out all the pus had come up from my pelvic floor, had come all the way up to my um, sort of the solar plexus area actually, that upper belly area and there was a huge pool of liquid right on top of my stomach. The pus was thick and the liquid was sort of thick as well, but it wasn't pus. It was just liquid that came off from the pus. And they saw it in the scan and they went, oh gosh, we've got to do another surgery on this woman. And that's why I couldn't eat. And that's why I couldn't breathe because also um, this liquid was still pushing up um, on my diaphragm. The ovaries had already pushed the diaphragm all the way up to the lungs. So the lungs had very... Uh, a contracted space to expand as well and my diaphragm was slowly coming down but that liquid from the pus and the pus itself were forcing the diaphragm to still be suspended so finally we knew why I was having so much trouble breathing because as well as these clots this liquid had still been compounding on the um, abdominal cavity and pushing up my diaphragm still as well 
So about eight weeks into the hospital stay, we just finally did um, two more surgeries. One surgery to open up the abdomen, which meant that that beautiful suture I had <laughs> was opened up quite in a not so beautiful way. And I've got a nice scar to remind me now. So they opened it up and cleared everything out. And then they closed it up in a second surgery a week later. And that was also quite painful because I had to have it cleared out every day after the surgery. So I was really angry again. <laughs> I got to be angry again at um, going through some more pain. And in, in um, alternative medicine, we call it the healing crisis. So I had another healing crisis on top of my others. But what I discovered Patty from this healing crisis was that my intuition along with several other intuitive healers was right on we were right on from the beginning we had said there was an underlying infection and it wasn't being discovered but what we didn't do because unfortunately with alternative therapies or intuitive work you tend to sort of not be assertive you tend to sort of say well I've picked up that there's some underlying infection. However, I won't be so aggressive with the medical staff because they should be able to pick it up. They've got the science. They can pick it up. Or in one of um, the intuitive healer's case, she was so sick from her sickness a few years ago, she was supposed to die. Um, she was actually unconscious, so she couldn't relay this information which she had intuited. She couldn't relay it to the medical staff. And from my experience, what I realised that when I don't listen to my intuition, when I sit on my laurels, I won't be aggressive. I won't say to the medical staff, look, go and find another medical test to find out where this infection is because there is some underlying infection. And maybe, maybe I could have got this infection two weeks earlier, three weeks earlier, rather than letting the doctors put off the surgery or the scan for fear of doing another surgery on me because of my blood clots. And uh, that's where... Um, Patty, you were saying earlier about the timing. Earlier about the timing. Yes, I, I was thinking that maybe the timing wasn't right, and that maybe that's why the infection wasn't found earlier. Because maybe it could have affected your healing process, and but we'll never know. But maybe that's why it wasn't found until that moment you gave me a, lot, gave of me a lot of food, food for thought, for thought. <laughs> when you brought up the timing piece because what I'm discovering now because I did break down I cried and I shared it with my sister in that moment I just felt beaten. I thought, I've been through so much. Why this now? And the doctor as well, when he saw it, he felt beaten. He felt bad for me. He also felt regretful that he didn't get the scan mm -hmm. earlier. And I've discovered that sometimes you need things to be really, really clear. <laughs> so you just don't doubt yourself. I 
wasn't assertive enough with my intuition and also two other healers had the same intuition. I wasn't assertive. I wasn't saying, no, do another test or I wasn't believing my own intuition enough. I was still doubting my intuition until the pus is coming out of my body and I can't doubt it anymore. And how many times do I do that in my life? Do I, how many times do I doubt my intuition? I think we all do. I know there are times when I should have went with my intuition and I didn't. And I regretted it. I think we all do that. And if we trust, if we just trust it and act on it, things could be a lot easier. Exactly. So simplicity and ease, grace, we say those words with our intentions or affirmations. And that is what these spiritual tools and protocols are there for. Mm -hmm. If we can start to really see how spiritual tools work, they don't necessarily give you instant results. I, I, I have seen instant results, however, and I, during hospital when I did hands-on healing, I was able to release some pain or stop the pain. And also during the surgeries, I was able to breathe when they were moving the tube up my artery to the heart. I had to breathe. So if I was in panic, I could never do that surgery. The nurse afterwards said to me how brave I was, and she still remembered me. She was in ICU later to help me. And she, she said, I remember the surgery. Oh, my God, you were so brave. Why was I brave? Because I was claiming that that surgery was going to be done with ease, with grace, with the divine. And I wasn't panicking. I was breathing and very, very focused because I had that divine energy supporting me. And we underestimate spiritual tools a lot. We think they don't um, serve as much of a purpose as, say, medical science. However, I, I have witnessed in hospital how they work together. And my passion now with the new energy body work that I'm sharing is to show you the spiritual tools and to assert that with these spiritual tools and the protocol of them, you can begin to work with medical science, with other people who may not believe the same things as you. We don't need to believe in this stuff. The spiritual tools aren't based on a belief. They're based actually on our intuition and on using the intuition in alignment with the highest good. That's all intuition does. And that's and by practicing it, I've witnessed in the hospital, you can actually support people who are doctors, who are nurses, who are saving your life or wiping your bottom. It can support them to do their job in a really easy, easy gracious, simple way and a joyful way as well. So that's um, what I wanted to share about um, some of the miracles I've learnt from hospital. There are many more. Uh, one thing you also reminded me, Patty, is that because of my trauma in hospital of going unconscious and passing over, going to death's door, 
that there are things I probably don't remember and they'll come up later, later on. Mm -hmm. So yes. that might be another topic. Your journey, your journey's just begun. <laughs> yeah, back to life. <laughs> and you've also, um, as I was going through my journey, you've started uh, another practice as well. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm getting certified for Reiki, which is another form of energy healing. And Angela and I discussed about having a future podcast about Reiki. Great. I'm looking forward to that. And what else would you like, if someone's listening to this, what might they um, be able to share or ask if they have any curiosity about healing or about passing over that's what's coming to me but I'm just wondering if Patty you've had anything else from hearing my journey that might come up for listeners that they might want to find out about well I really enjoyed hearing about your journey and all all of what happened I mean I know how much it affected me when I found out that you were going through this and I was praying to God every day for you, for healing and all of that. And just hearing your story is really touching. And there's so many uh, people that need to hear your story and to know what you've been through and that, you, you know, you were raw with us. You actually told us how you were feeling the, the your you know and then choosing joy and at the beginning you weren't choosing joy and also about how you felt when you were told to come back here and the anger that you felt all of those things are important and you had a, you have a purpose here and and what you went through and all of that, which was very difficult. I mean, anybody that knows anything about not being able to breathe, how scary that is. I just can't imagine how you kept persevering through everything that you went through, all of those surgeries them not knowing, you know, them telling your family you're, you're not going to make it and that you are a miracle. And knowing that you had faith in yourself and the people that were taking care of you, as well as the divine. And coming back with knowing that your energy healing is important and that people need to know about it. And if our listeners have questions, please, please email us and Angela and I will be happy to answer them. Thank you for praying for me, Betty. I forgot to mention that actually I had 
probably hundreds. I don't know how many people praying because I was on prayer groups. So yeah. that was um, one of the miracles. And even a strange, several strangers praying for me. My partner was quite distressed, so he was walking one time and talked to a stranger about my situation and the stranger said straight away, oh, what's her name? I'll pray for her. So I had strangers praying for me. I had so many people praying for me. So thank you, Patty. And thank you to those who I don't know who prayed for me. And I felt it. And that also was one of the major uh, tools that we forget. So if any of you are listening and you are looking for support, you may not have a religious faith or you may have one, but you don't need to have faith. You just need to ask people to support you. It does work and I'm proof. <laughs> so thank you, Patty, for giving me this opportunity today as well to share. And I look forward to anyone's questions about that journey and my journey and, and future uh, topics that you might like us to talk about. And do check out Angela's YouTube channel because she'll be going more into the energy body healing. And Angela, thank you for sharing this wonderful journey with us. Thanks, Patty. Thank you for listening to Building Better Relationships with Angela and Patty. Send us a message. And please like or share the podcast or donate with the Anchor Donate button. We really value your feedback.